Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hello, I'm Ashley Carter, Director of Coalitions at the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's podcast. With me today is Vicki Alger. She's a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum, a research fellow at the Independent Institute in Oakland, California, and the author of the book, Failure, the Federal Miseducation of America's Children, uh, which just came out uh, this past year, and as well as a fellow at the Fraser Institute and president and CEO of Vicki Murray and Associates. Welcome, Vicki. Thank you for uh, being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you know what? I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about the, today's podcast will be on the future of school choice in America. And I'm so glad that I was able to uh, talk to you about this important subject because you really are an expert in this uh, field as you've advised the Department of Education on public, cho- school, public school choice and higher education reform. You've been able, your research has helped to advance four parental choice voucher and tax credit scholarship programs in Arizona, as well as uh, the state's first higher education voucher. And, you know, I really think that uh, you, we can call you the, one of the leading preeminent experts in school choice here in America today. So thank you well, very thank much you. for joining us. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Really, mm-hmm. it, it's about common sense. And let's put the real experts back in charge of education, and those experts are parents. That's true. That's true. And, you know, so we're talking about the words school choice. Recently, just a couple of weeks ago, we had school choice week here in America, around the nation, in many states. There are uh, charter schools in over 27 states, uh, voucher programs in over 14 states. Can you tell me a little bit exactly what school choice is? Because that, that t- word in, in and of itself sometimes is mysterious to those who don't know. Well, I think when we talk about school choice, what we're really talking about is educational choice because uh, the, the modern school choice movement really began with uh, Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman. And you'll recall that he had a, a really radical idea, namely just because we fund public schools through government doesn't mean that government knows best for nearly 50 million American school children. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that was the gist of it. Flash forward to today, and we have so many more options than simply your neighborhood district public school or your neighborhood, which would typically be um, a faith-based parochial school. Today, the options are absolutely myriad. We have district public schools that parents can choose. We have public magnet schools, public charter schools. We also have a variety of voucher and tax credit scholarship programs so children can attend private schools, 
homeschooling now numbers, homeschooling families now number in the millions. Um, we also have online learning has really broken down the barriers between where a child and his or her family can afford to live and the education options available. So we have, it's not so much about school anymore, it's, it's about education, and the latest advance would be education savings accounts. Now, these are programs that work a lot like health savings accounts. You have a dedicated use debit card, and parents get 90% or more of what the state would have spent to send that child to a district public school or charter school. And instead, the parents use that dedicated use debit card to pay for private school tuition, to pay for online courses, tutoring, special education, therapy, test prep, all sorts of online courses and so forth. So we're seeing a whole different level of tailoring an education to, to individual children's needs um, chosen by those who know and love them best, and that would be children's parents. So it's not, and what ESAs and all these programs, do, particularly ESAs do, is it's no longer a question of where children are going to be educated, but it's really how they're going to be educated. So parents have a whole new level of, uh, of freedom and options that, they, that even 10 years ago they didn't have. I love that you're saying that. It's taking the, the opportunity and putting it back where it belongs in the hands of the student and their family, the parents. Uh, because as we can see, students don't all learn in a one-size-fits-all box. There are many no. different options. Exactly. And, and, and uh, even within we, families. That's what we're seeing, seeing too. Even within families, um, I'm a stepmom of four boys. Um, all of them go to uh, district public schools. Um, but it's mm -hmm. very interesting because living in Arizona, um, we have the option of public charter schools, private schools, online schools, all, all sorts of things. And you would think that, well, four boys, you know, they, they really love math and science, so they must all need the same things. Absolutely not. Because of the competition we have in Arizona for really, name a parental uh, choice program, Arizona was typically the, fir <laughs> the first one out of the gate to enact it. So we have parents in Arizona, I would argue, probably have the most freedom of parents anywhere in the country. And because there's so much competition for students, all schools, no matter what type, what sector, have to innovate in order to keep, uh, keep students and have them doing well. So it's, it's very exciting. So even within families, you need options everywhere along the way. I love that. It's giving more options and not, and not uh, getting rid of public school, but creating more options, including the option of public school. Uh, I love to hear that. So, you know, we're talking about uh, all of these different options. I want to talk a little bit about the new administration. We have a new Secretary of Education and a new president who has been very passionate about the issue of school choice uh, here and over his administration. He wants to change things up and uh, add more uh, school choice options for our students across the United States. One thing that they discussed 
uh, during the campaign, and uh, we have heard a little bit about it since then, is the new voucher, $20 billion voucher program that would redirect money within the Elementary and Secondary Education Act to help fund a voucher reimbursement program. Now, what, uh, what benefits do you see of funding a voucher program that can be utilized for students of all socioeconomic backgrounds, as opposed to increasing funding for Title I schools? Well, I have to tell you, when, we, when it comes to Title I, and, and, and as you know, Ashley, Title I is perhaps one of the largest programs, uh, you know, K-12 programs, that's federally administered. I, we are talking billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. And Title I programs uh, were enacted specifically for ch to, to help children uh, from impoverished backgrounds, um, disadvantaged socioeconomic backgrounds. And um, well, I won't. Let's just summarize the past. Gosh, over well over 40 years, um, you know, decades and decades of Title I, children from, you know, low-income families still do only around a quarter of them in any given subject, any, different, any given grade level, um, a quarter to a th less than a third are deemed proficient in math and reading. So we've been pouring billions of dollars um, into programs, and we really haven't seen achievement move. Now, flip to the parental choice side, and the vast majority of the more than 60 private school parental choice programs um, in the country right now that get only a fraction of what traditional public schools get are doing, are, are attending private schools, and they have higher math and reading scores than their peers, higher high school graduation rates, higher college graduation rates. So these children are doing a whole lot more with a whole lot less, and, and the core is choice. And when we talk about President Trump, President Trump has been an advocate, <clears throat> pardon me, of competition in schooling for decades. This is not a new issue for him. He has been an, an advocate for decades. So for President Trump <clears throat> to come out so strongly in support of parental choice programs. Certainly look at his education secretary, Secretary Betsy DeVos, who herself has dedicated her life to advancing parental choice programs, particularly for children from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, this, this should be a shock to no one. <laughs> so his plan for having a $20 billion voucher program is innovative, and it's fresh, and it, let's face it, it's reminiscent of what Ronald Reagan wanted to do uh, with block grants and letting Title I monies be portable, follow children. Now, as tempted as I am and as much as I want to support this, uh, I am a, as the title of my book suggests, <laughs> failure, the federal miseducation of America's children, I think we should be reducing the size of the federal footprint, not expanding it, even for something as worthwhile as choice. Um, I think constitutional federalism demands that education is a matter for the states and, in particular, parents. Um, now, that said, um, I think we should be focusing on getting rid of the Department of Education, not trying to, in any way, shape, or form, 
you know, use it for an agenda that I think many, if not most of us listening would agree with, I think it's more important to get rid of the Federal Department of Education, uh, period. Where President Trump certainly can exercise a huge leadership role is with the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program. Now, as you know, this program is helping so many of Washington, D.C.'s most disadvantaged children attend the same amazing private schools that presidents and members of Congress have sent their children to. So I think making sure that funding for the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program is increased and made available is something that President Trump can legitimately focus on, um, make sure that unlike the, the, the previous um, education secretaries under the Obama administration that tried to kill this program, you know, death by a thousand <laughs> paper cuts, uh, we really need to be expanding and growing that program. So that's where President Trump, I think, has constitutional, the full constitutional authority to act. And um, I think he should use the bully pulpit to tout these these victories and, and tout these successes. But I really do think that all that Title I funding, I think all of that funding can and should be returned to the states rather than I love- in D.C. <laughs> Oh, no, I I completely agree, and I love that you really talked a lot about the uh, D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program. Here in D.C., I uh, live here in D.C., I'm on the Board of Education uh, for the uh, D.C. State Board of Ed, and uh, we really are passionate about our voucher program here. It really is a model for uh, other states in America, and uh, we have a great uh, school choice program with uh, many charter schools here in the city that uh, other states look towards D.C. as being a model uh, for school choice in America. Uh, and one thing I love mentioning that- charter schools. <laughs> I, I forgot <laughs> to mention charter schools. I, charter schools are just a lifeline for so many, for more than 3 million students across the country. So charter schools, like Dan, talk about private parental choice program, but I don't want to forget our awesome charter schools. No, they they really are a great uh, a great addition to our public school system, especially here in DC. And you mentioned Betsy DeVos, who is really uh, her work prior to becoming education secretary was focused around the charter school movement and bringing forth more choices uh, to students uh, around the nation. Uh, looking at this whole new frontier, though. Um, it really is the wild, wild west, as we, uh, I guess you can call it. What do you see? Um, you know, education is something that we all look forward to. We all want to be lifelong learners. We w- parents want the best for their children, which is why oftentimes parents will rally around school choice options. What do you see as being uh, the next? big thing in school choice and, uh, you know, coming down the pike over the next four years? I would have to say the biggest development right now would be education savings accounts. It's so exciting. And let me just give you a, a quick synopsis. Just this year, 
there have been 21 parental choice bills introduced in, gosh, more than a dozen states, um, education savings accounts um, bills to enact or expand existing programs. There are five existing programs have been introduced in 11 states, Arizona, um, Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, Missouri, Nebraska, which has, you know, introduced three parental choice programs, um, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Texas. And those are just the ESA programs introduced. This is so exciting because, again, it puts parents in charge of their children's education dollars and lets them really customize their children's education. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how just driving to work in the morning, how many different kinds of coffee shops do we drive by? And if we were to go into any one of them, uh, the permutations on the just getting a cup of coffee, I mean, you can add you, all the bells and whistles or back-to-basics approach. There, there must be hundreds, if not thousands, of permutations. We can have that in a cup of coffee, you know, and the types of coffee we drink. We're starting <laughs> to see all these this wonderful variety and all these options for children's education. And not only, what I really love about this is not only can parents take advantage of the great options that are available now, again, with so much competition, throwing open the doors to new providers, the, the chances that you are going to find the best possible fit for your child just increase exponentially. And that's what it really boils down to. I, I don't like these sorts of debates where, you know, well, I'm a district public school parent, or I'm a charter school parent, I'm a homeschool parent, I'm a private school parent, faith-based parent, online parent. Let's just take that off the table. And with education savings accounts, I think in the not-so-distant future, we really need to be moving toward uh, whether it, we ascribe this vision to Milton Friedman or way back you know, to Thomas Paine, where money follows the child. And parents can spend it however they see fit. And so the, the cycle of innovation and the rate of innovation just accelerates, and that only benefits students. So I can see a point where, you know, it's not so much the public sector, private sector, online sector, home sector, all of these various sectors. You just send your children to school. You just educate your child. I think we have to stop getting hung, so hung up about where children, you know, where children are educated, and let's focus on whether they're educated. We get that great fit, that's where you're going to see student achievement just rise. Well, there you have it, folks. We have, you know, no skim, double whip, frap coffees, but we have liberals telling us that we must have one-size-fits-all public school education. I love this. We have the new frontier of allowing students uh, the option and putting the power and the money back in the hands of the parents where it belongs. Uh, thank you again, uh, uh, Vicki, for have, uh, being on the, uh, this afternoon. And I'm really glad that we had the chance to talk about this new wave of education. It's all about educating our children today. It's not about what type of education we get. It's about having the options. 
Absolutely. Thank you again for being on. (laughs) That has been a. It's been great to interview you today. And this has been a podcast of the Independent Women's Forum. You can check us out on the web at iwf.org. That's iwf.org. Join us again for our next podcast. We look forward to listening with you. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.